you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin and welcome back to Podiatry Marketing. And with me is Big Jim Mack and this is our 100th episode. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to uh, celebrate 100 fantastic episodes with you today. Just uh, boy, the time flies. It does, and the, we have a, we have an audience, and they are cheering our 100th episode. Uh. Everyone's there. okay, everyone. We need you to get back. Sit, sit back down. Sit back down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for coming, and it's nice to have you all here. So, Jim, our 100th episode. Can you believe it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe we've. Yeah, it, it's hard to believe it's already been close to two years, 100 episodes. Uh, here's to 100 or 1,000 more, we'll see. But uh, no, it's been fun so far. So what are we going to talk about today? I know what we're going to talk about today, but I'll let you introduce it. Yeah, so today's a special episode. We don't have one singular topic. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to go over the top 10 most downloaded episodes uh, from our 100 episodes. So uh, so yeah, that's what we're going we're gonna to start off at. Number 10 and work our way down to number one. Oh, okay. So we're going to start at 10 and we're going to go down yeah. to what has been the most popular. Okay. This will be interesting. So what is what was number 10? So number 10 is invest in solutions versus pay for services. So um, this like is something, a gym topic. Yeah, this sounds like a gym topic. I think there's a lot of Tyson <laughs> topics in this top 10, but this is number 10 is me. And you know, this uh, is one where we really kind of jumped into kind of the perception of marketing uh, and podiatry and healthcare in general. Uh, you know, a lot of people will see, oh, I need blogs. Oh, I need social media. Oh, I need this service. And let's just, you know, figure out what my, my budget is. And I'm just going to pay that. And that, then I don't have to think about it either yeah. paying someone on your staff to do it or, uh, you know, paying someone uh, as a marketing agency or consultant like myself to do it for you. Uh, but really, when people, you know, podiatrists and people in healthcare uh, think about marketing, what they should be thinking about is more of a, you know, something we talked about in previous episodes of our show is that you have to be thinking about a long-term strategy and how to implement that over time. And so like any 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 investment you make, um, you want to invest in the success of things over a long period of time. And you're looking for uh, solving problems, not just like having services, but why? what is the why behind you're doing the marketing? Is it to see a specific type of patient? Is it to increase the volume is it to eliminate certain types of care or treatments from your clinic is it to get more of certain types of things so you know when in episode you know number 10 was really about digging into that uh, invest in solutions versus pay for services kind of uh the, the way you, some some podiatrists kind of view marketing and the services provided okay what's number nine number nine is do less and do it better that sounds like my title <laughs> definitely and that particular episode and the good part is is i don't have any notes in front of me while talking about this but i just know the topics and and i remember when i did that episode it was more about a lot of times people uh they keep wanting to add more services they go off and do more training and they they do different things and they just keep wanting to add more add more and add more into the business but sometimes to bring more in sometimes you gotta let something go and I think sometimes you've got to look at your, your practice and think, do you need to be doing everything or should you be doing less or offering less services, but just doing them so much better than what everybody else is doing? them? So 
I know there's a lot of uh, podiatry clinics around now that will have swift machines you know, for doing wart treatment. I would have no interest at all in doing that. But if there was a podiatry clinic that did have one, I would contact them and say, can I send my wart patients to you because I don't want to do them. Now, that podiatry clinic, if they know that all of a sudden they can market themselves as being the wart place and they should really focus on that and get really good at it and become the best in town at doing that, and then don't worry about running off and doing dry needling or doing foot mobilisation or, or doing some other course thinking, oh, we've just got to keep adding all these services. Have less services, but get really good at those, those things before. And, but then if you, want, if you want to do more, you can do more. But just get really good at doing a few things first before moving on to a lot more. So that was all about doing less uh, and doing it better. Yeah, I think you know, providing a high level of care uh, and a few things is much better than trying to be all things to all people. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed not only that episode, but uh, the kind of co overall concept. It's definitely something I relate to. Um, you know, I could do, I could market all types of different things, but to kind of, and you could probably coach different types of business owners along yeah. with Padai. But, you know, you and I have, you and I kind of live by this one as well. You know, we we stick with, uh, with podiatry, so... I had somebody ask me that the other day. They said, how come you don't just do other health professionals as well? They said, you could quite easily do it. Or everybody else helps all the others. Okay, and that's why I don't. I, <laughs> I don't want to do coaching for physios or optometrists or anyone. I just, just don't want to do that. I want, I want to do podiatry. But I can understand why some people don't just do podiatry because a lot of podiatrists don't want to do coaching either. For physios yeah. and chiropractors do. <laughs> No, for sure. But I think it does, it helps you have kind of a clear, more direct message too. Like yeah. we're talking to podiatrists, right? You know, people listen to our show. I'm sure the majority of people are the podiatrists or maybe their office manager or someone in their office. So when we, when we kind of, when you focus on providing a certain type of care in a similar way that you can really speak to those patients and they, they'll feel heard when, when you send out different types of messaging to them. So I really liked that topic. So um, for number, that was number nine. So if you're looking for number nine, once again, do less and do it better. Ooh, so yeah. off to number eight, which is this is this, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the name again. The zygomic <laughs> effect, the open loop technique. Uh zygonic effect. Yeah, zygomic effect. Z zygonic. The zygonic effect or the open loop technique. Zygonic. And it's pretty much about um <laughs> you're sort of telling us you're telling a story or you're giving information, but you don't close off the loop. So instead of saying to a patient, hey, I've got three exercises for you. One, two, three. See you next week. Now they already know the three exercises. That doesn't really mean anything to them. But if you say, but the, it's all about you say, hey, there's four exercises, there's three exercises that we need to go through. Now I'm gonna show you how to do this. Now I also want you to do this one. When you come back next week, or go to that third one because that ties everything together. And that's leaving an open loop. It's like when people will tell a story and they'll tell comedians do this really well. They'll tell a story and and then all of a sudden they'll, they'll tell a side story, which will go off, but eventually they loop back to the original one. And that and some people see the frustrated go, I need to know the answer. <laughs> and oh, not so much movies, but TV shows. Tune in next week. To find out, does little Johnny get saved by his pet kangaroo? That type of thing. That was on Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. 
<laughs> Sometimes there, have you ever seen the movie Inception? Yes. So that that has a bit of an open loop at the end. It, like it leaves you kind of. There's two ways you can interpret the ending there, right? So, uh, but yeah, it's a little bit different than you know what you want to provide a a patient. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and some people know that like they know when they watch a movie or something. And sometimes it's not like American movies have a habit of they need to tidy up every loose end and make people feel <laughs> warm and fuzzy at the end. They just yeah sometimes. All of a sudden, you'll see the hero come walking through the smoke at the end, and they hug, and and then the children come running up, and you're a hero. But and but sometimes the movie just ends, and people go, "Well, did they make it or not?" I assume they probably did, but did they? And that's sort of yeah, what the open loop thing's all about. It's just it's just leaving, yeah, not tidying everything up, leaving something open which creates tension creates suspense but it'll also get your patients coming back the following week yeah that adding that kind of uh giving them a little bit of expectation or wanting them to having them want more information or uh it will kind of keep them more engaged um in the next visit so i definitely like that topic the zygarnik effect yeah. yeah if people like the idea of that go and look up the zygarnik effect but go and read more on it it is actually really really interesting and it also explains why some people get stressed out at their work and, and other things. So it's an important topic. Okay. What was that? It was nine, eight. Oh, we did 10, nine, eight. What's seven? Yeah. So we are actually on number. Yeah. So number seven is the top f five things to learn before starting a private practice. So this, um, this is kind of like, yeah, this is mine. And uh, we kind of went over like those five different areas uh, for people just, you know, Maybe someone is uh, fresh out of residency, wants to start their practice, or maybe they're they've been working in a practice themselves. And you know, what are the, some of those steps you need to take? And the first one was like basically doing some general business and financial planning. Um, you know, what's your budget going to be? Where are you going to be located at? Um, do you have a business plan? You know, just kind of uh, securing the right insurance and kind of planning for the growth of the practice is kind of that first step. Uh, second step is kind of legal and re regulatory requirements. So you know. What can you do with podiatry where you're based at, right? Was there, you know, when it comes to credentialing, license, licensure, um, health laws, malpractice insurance, getting those kind of legal and regulatory requirements, you know, figured out is really, really important. Um, also, number three was practice management. You know, that's really critical for success. You know, how are you going to hire the right staff, implement kind of efficient processes, schedule patients? What is that kind of like daily routine within the practice going to be like? Uh, this, the fourth part was networking and referral relationships, would that be internal um, healthcare professional referrals, external um, with the, the medical community, maybe it's in the, the private business community. And then last but not least, like how are you going to acquire patients? How are you going to market yourself? And what are you going to kind of, what do you want to stand out for to kind of attract patients to your practice? So yeah, that was, uh, you know, a quick kind of overview of that kind of five things you need to learn before starting a private practice. It was our number seven topic and uh, definitely look that one up if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, and there are solid five things that people should be looking at. And like you said, you could do the top 50 things you should do for your business, but that, those five were definitely five big ones. Yeah. So we'll jump to number six now. This is a Tyson topic that developing micro pillars within your eight pillars or the six, is it the six pillars? Of six marketing? pillars. Come on. Jim. Yeah. Come on. Jim. My, my, my eyes are getting a little, my eyes are getting a little, little tough, tough here. Yeah. So micro pillars. Yeah. So developing. So I always talk about 
the six pillars of marketing. Professional referrers, non-professional, internal marketing, external marketing, verbal marketing, and online marketing. So these six pillars. Then, But within each pillar, there's what I call micro pillars. So it's a whole pile of little pillars that make up. So when you're looking at the six pillars, the reason why six pillars are, are better than four pillars, if you think of like a roof of a building, if you've got six pylons holding it, and if one pillar falls down, the other five are going to hold it up. If you only have four and one gets knocked down, there's a chance it's going to tumble over. So the more marketing pillars you have, the better. Then within each of those pillars, the more little micro pillars you have, and I, I picture it in my head almost like all the little um, individual strands that make up rope. And if, a couple, and if you have a look at rope closely, you'll see there's a lot of those little strands start to break. But if a couple of them do break, the integrity of the rope, though, is still intact. And that's what I look at with micro pillars. So you might have, say, uh, in professional referrers, you might have physiotherapists, chiropractors, uh, dietitians, general practitioners. They're all micro pillars. But you can go even deeper with your physiotherapist. How many physiotherapists are there? two physios that refer to or are there 15 physios if 10 physios stop referring to or if all the physios stop referring to because all of a sudden they found out you know podiatry is better than physiotherapy and they don't want to refer anymore then you don't need to worry because you've still got your gps your chiropractors your dietitians they are the extra pillars so it's like so within every pillar try and find as many referral sources within each pillar so if one micro pillar breaks, the rest of them will keep the integrity of that pillar. Makes sense. It does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what's number five? Number five is how trust grows your reputation and practice. I, I believe this was me. It has, um, to, it has to be. I can tell by the topic names. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, we kind of jumped into like, you know, what are the things you can actually do um, to grow trust with patients? Because I think that's, that's really kind of the foundation of everything we do, um, you know, as, as podiatrists, as healthcare providers, and really needs to translate into your marketing. So, you know, the, the first thing that people can do when you're in practice is provide excellent care. Because um, no matter how great your marketing is, your advertising, if you're not providing excellent care to your patients, um, there's really nothing you can do that uh, to kind of like, to kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, like polish a turd, right? So um, <laughs> you, can put, so well, they really, say, yeah, you can put sprinkles in the turd, but it's still a turd. <laughs> you, can't, you can't polish it. Um, it's also like, how do, you, how do you treat people, right? Like, how does your staff treat people? When people walk into your practice, when you establish that rapport with the patient, um, is that kind of like the first step towards building trust or is it going to lead to like to negative, uh, you know, interactions in the future and really communication is hugely important with this, right? So you have to communicate with patients, you know, communicating with your staff about how to communicate with patients is really, really, really important. Um, and also you have to maintain a professional demeanor, right? Like not everything is going to go perfectly in your practice, but you have to maintain a professional demeanor about how you treat people. Um, even if someone disagrees with you, like how do you handle disagreements, um, you know, either with your staff or with patients, that's really, really important. Um, and also by providing a patient education and good thorough, uh, follow-up of your patients is a great way to continue to build long-term trust. You know, if you're just having someone come in for one visit, um, and then just write them a script and then, you know, see me PRN. Like you're not going to build trust uh, and, and relationships over time. You really have to um, take into account uh, educating patients, 
kind of helping them see that you know you're a, a valuable and vital part of their uh, improvement along with their own actions but you know getting that follow-up care can be hugely impactful to really kind of uh basically uh, growing that trust of your reputation and of your practice yeah I, i'd say when it comes to relating with your patients trust is the key and if you break a patient's trust it's really hard to earn it back so it's something that when you first meet a patient you slowly want to build that trust over a period of time and once they do trust you you want to make sure you maintain uh, that trust as well so that was a good topic yeah well off to number four this is going to be the uh, uh kind of a murderer's row of tyson topics here but the first the number four is 13 things you would do differently Ooh. I remember this one. I don't remember the 13. I can't remember what they were. That's okay. They don't want to hear them <laughs> all. They just give us the, the overview. The overview of it was you're sitting in your practice and all of a sudden you see – now, the, the, what's funny about this, this was all based on something this – is, this is reality is what really happened. And I've seen this happen a few <laughs> times. I remember when I was on the Gold Coast. I don't know if I said this in the podcast or not, but this just flashed in my head. When I was on the Gold Coast, there, was a car, there were two businesses opening up I mean, directly opposite the road to each other, 60 feet apart. It's just a two-lane road. Both businesses are opened up. You can tell, oh, they're both sort of like medical type things, but you didn't know about the work. You just tell by the way the car park was getting done. And they're both houses that were being converted. And boom, boom, boom. And this one particular day, the signs went up at the same day, the big unveiling, and they were both chiropractors. <laughs> directly across the road, one was like, 48 Bayview Street and the other one was like 45 Bayview Street just and I looked at it and went that is hilarious but anyway here in Cairns where my old clinic was and I sold it to uh to a corporate group another podiatrist bought the building across the road or just up from it we can see each other and they set up a really nice podiatry clinic there so this whole thing was the 13 things what you would do differently is if a podiatrist moved into town straight across the road from you, what would you do differently? When you think of your actual business, would you reach out and contact your patients, your, your current referrers? Would you make sure you've got a, yeah, you really have a good relationship with them? We list through 13 things that you would do differently if a competitor opened up across the road. And this happens more often than people would think. Seems like a great opportunity to leave an open loop for them to go and uh, listen to the podcast. <laughs> definitely. This this is definitely an open loop. And go and listen to that episode because there's 13 things there that we came up with. And so part of this too is I did this talk with a group and this was some feedback that it was other podiatrists giving me feedback on what they would do differently. And even though people go, oh, but that yeah, that won't happen. It happens all the time. It may not be across the road, but it'll be in your suburb. It'll be in the next suburb. There's, there's podiatrists opening up all the time. So if they open up across from you, what would you do differently? And if you, and thing is, if you do that differently, if they opened up across the road, why aren't you doing it already? That's the key to that episode. So very good, very good. Hoo -hoo. That was a good one. <laughs> all right, we're into the top three now. I don't know if you give a, a little drum roll here, but um, now how how micro storytelling can improve the patient physician relationship. So what this was is that one again? topic for sure. What was that? So <laughs> how, how micro, how micro storytelling oh, yes. can improve the patient physician relationship. Yes. Okay. And what I meant by this particular episode was a lot of people, I, I will say to them, I'm always surprised how many podiatrists you go to the 
personal profiles on Facebook and there's nothing about podiatry. It's like they don't want to tell anyone they're a podiatrist. And then you go to their podiatry pages and it's only really boring podiatry stuff that they put there. They never share anything about themselves. And the number one comment I get from people is, oh, I like to keep my personal life and my business life separate. And I'm like, they're the same. It's, your, it's still part of your life. To me, you should be proud that you're a podiatrist and all your friends should know about it. And all your patients should know a little bit about you. So they get to know that you're not a, you're not a monster. <laughs> you're, you're a human being. You're, you're, a, you're a parent. You're a husband. You're a wife. You're, you're someone's child. It's, but, and people go, oh, but I don't. And I'm not saying take a photo of your house and give everybody your address. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. It's all about micro storytelling is you divulge little bits about yourself over a period of time so that your patients feel like they know who you are without really divulging exactly who you are. And the perfect example of this is if anyone's ever listened, watched CSI or Law and Order or any of those things, you pick a main character and they don't just dump everything about that main character on the first episode. On the first episode, you might find out they've been a police officer for 20 years. It's all you know. And then it's got whatever story went on. A couple of episodes later, you find out, oh, they're married. Oh, they've got children. Oh, they used to play baseball. Oh, they they uh, played football as well at school, but didn't end up getting in the... T- was going to go pro, but did their knee. So you learn that they divulge a little bit about them over seasons. So at the end of a decade of watching a particular show, if I said, hey, tell me about Detective Stabler, who was a character in Law and Order, SUV, Special Victims Unit, uh, SVU, Special Victim SUV, that's a car. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but if I said, tell me all about him, I could tell you about his whole life, but I really don't know the person. This is right. what micro-storytelling is. You create the narrative. My patients would know that I like hamburgers. My patients would know yeah, I like the UFC and, and martial arts. Now, they wouldn't know at what level of martial arts they ever did. They wouldn't know how many hamburgers I actually eat. But they but they know enough about me, so they feel like they really know me without sure. knowing my address, knowing the, the date of birth of my daughter, <laughs> knowing what school she goes to. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you don't want them in your life. You don't want them turning up when you've got a barbecue happening and they just rock through your front gate. You don't, you, that's not what I'm talking about. But it's just it's letting enough information about you so they feel like they're connected with you. Because if they see you eating a hamburger with your family, then they go, oh, he's a family man. I'm a family man. He likes hamburgers. I like hamburgers. Oh, he, he follows the Sydney Roosters, which every team, everyone should, but not everyone does. And But they realize, oh, he likes the rugby league as well. Oh, I like rugby league. Or I like sport. So you start relating to people when you tell them uh, a story. There you go. That was number three, um, how micro, story, micro storytelling can improve the patient-physician relationship. Yep. So now off to number two and the last topic for Tyson, <laughs> fitting in more ideal patients into your podiatry practice. Yeah, well, this one's, this is really just sitting and working at who your ideal patient is for starters. Who, who, what do you want more of? Then going through your schedule and making sure you block out time to those patients can get in and I've had people where they've said oh I did this particular marketing thing and it didn't work I go 
oh, okay, this surprises me because I've done this with five other people and it worked really, really well. And and then this and this is where I now will have them have a phone sheet there or some sheet that it's not that the people didn't call up from that marketing they did, it's just the people called up and they couldn't get an appointment because they were booked out four weeks clipping toenails or just general foot care. And I'm going, so you want more runners, but when that running person rings up Monday, they can't get in your appoint can't get an appointment. So it's all about finding who your ideal patient is and then putting sections in your schedule so that these people can get an appointment and you can also follow them up, but knowing at a certain point when to then fill those appointments with other stuff if it can't be filled. So it's a real timing, yep. it's a scheduling thing, and it's something that people need to be shown and taught how to do it. So if anyone wants to learn more about doing this, in Ontario, and your business profits go up go through the roof when you can actually do this right way, reach out to me. Yeah, it's a real practical exercise, right? It's like uh, you figure out what you want to do and then practically figure out how you can do it in your clinic without, uh, like you said, a lot of people will say they want to do it, but they have to take that extra step to actually make it happen. I so think, I think, it's so, it's I think so they should definitely reach out to you. Yeah, that's, that's the part that people they get. It is so easy to do. And people go, oh, but I couldn't do it. I'm booked out six weeks ahead. Great, I don't care if you booked out three months ahead. It's still really easy to do. They yeah. just they just they tell themselves they can't do it, so they don't do it. Oh, okay, so let's get down to number one, which just hit. <laughs> well, there's no doubt that this one wasn't going to be number one. This was a gym topic, but yeah, it, it, it was a gym topic. But it's kind of like the topic of the the oh, 2023. So it's a world, uh, it's a world topic. <laughs> exactly. So number one is uh, Chat GPT in podiatry, automating administrative tasks. Uh, and what else did I say there? Uh, and improving patient experience. So I think you could have just put Chat GDP, and uh, <laughs> would have would have done just as well. No, this is definitely a topic I think a lot of people are thinking about now, and kind of how AI and generative AI is going to affect um, clinical practice, right? Whether it be documentation, uh, writing notes for you know surgery, writing notes for a clinic, um, you know, evaluating wounds. You know, we all have. Know, high definition cameras on our phones now. Just this AI uh, and how it's going to change uh, the computation and the kind of uh, machine learning that happens with AI is going to really transform uh, different aspects of our life. And podiatry is one of them. So I think it's important to, uh, and we'll have some more, uh, podi you know, some more podiatry marketing podcasts on this topic in the future. But you know, it's what are those ways right now that you know we kind of went over initially? I guess it was back in March. So it's been a little while. Um, I mean, even back in January, actually, when, yeah, I, when we published yeah, I just, it. I just had a look then. It was January that we did it. I yeah, thought it was so it's almost, yeah, so it's been like, you know, I guess nine months. So we probably are due for an update in, in a future episode. But just really, you know, we talked to some of the basics about what ChatGPT is, um, some ways of using it initially. But it will definitely be a topic we, we kind of touch base on because there's some definitely there's been some improvements over time. We've gone from ChatGPT three to three and a half now to four. If you are on the paid plan for ChatGPT, and there's uh, outside of ChatGPT, there's a lot of other um, different app, software applications, uh, whether it be graphic design or ways of marketing your practice can be really improved by utilizing uh, you know, Chat uh, these kind of different AI technologies. So we'll definitely touch base on some of them, and I know that Tyson's been digging into some of the stuff as well. So we're excited to to bring you some more of this stuff in the future. I will admit it, when you first spoke about ChatGTP, like in January, and I'd heard a little bit about it and I'd play with it at TAD, but 
didn't really know too much about it. But I tell you, every time I get an email, it's like every third email, someone's trying to sell me something about training on ChatGTP. Or, uh, and ChatGTP seems to be the one that everyone's talking about. But there was another one, uh, well, we're not going to talk about it now. We, we should do, I reckon we should do like a, a series about three or four episodes where we just pick on some AI programs that people can actually use to improve their marketing. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, we'll we'll figure out some a, a nice little series we can uh, introduce folks to it, but also provide some real uh, specific uh, advice about uh, how to use it, and how it can benefit their practices. Sounds good. Okay, well that's our top ten. I um, hang on. I, I know everyone's standing up again. And, okay. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for that. Yep, that's really good. And I know um, I know some people. It's a uh, oh that one. Like that? There you go. This is uh, <laughs> if people listen to these episodes and they apply what they learn, this is what they'll hear every day. That's what they'll they'll hear in their business. No, Tyson, thanks a lot for uh, the first the first one hundred. It's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of ups, a few downs, but uh, you and I were keeping it steady with the Podiatry Marketing Podcast. It's been a uh, pleasure to partner with this with this uh, with you so far, and I can't wait to see where we continue to take this. So it, will, it has been fun, Jim. And when we first started this, you were just Jim McDonald. Now you're <laughs> Big Jim Mac. Yeah. So yeah, so, I'm still world, world famous. I'm still Tyson. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I look forward to talking to you next week for one oh one. Sounds good, Tyson. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.